<laughs> Very good. I want to talk to you just a little bit about baptism this morning. We're going to have four points. So if you're looking for the end of the service this morning, you're looking for these words, no different. That's the last thing we'll talk about. We're going to talk about be different, live different, indifferent, and no different. You know, or I hope you know by now, that I'm a people and a news junkie. I like to watch the news, see what's going on. I like to watch people. I like to see what trends are going on, how people act, what's going on in our society. I've alternated between amused and disgusted by some of the things that I've watched and that I've seen. I've alternated between amused and disgusted as I've watched some of the college kids on some of the campuses around our country coming up with safe zones, places where they can go and sit and nobody will say anything that will offend them, nobody will say anything that will challenge them. They can all sit in a place where they can be the prince and princesses that they were raised to be. And I think to myself as I watch them in their safe zones thinking, I can't wait until you get a boss. Because I've not had a boss yet that cared whether I was in a safe zone or not. I can't wait until they join the real world. And they get to the grocery store checkout line and they're $1.98 short to pay. And nobody gives them a pass. But I think this week I was stopped dead in my tracks as I thought about that. How did we get here? How did we get to a place in the land that I love where we are confused over which bathroom a person should use? How did we get here? How did this happen to us? When I was a young man, we never, we never had discussions about which was the correct bathroom. And then it dawned on me. We're living in a safe zone. That's what's happened to us. We have created a safe zone. There are three things that you never get to discuss in public, right? In polite company, you never discuss politics, you never discuss religion, and if you've got money, you never discuss money, and if you don't have money, the other topic that they throw in there is sex. Those three things you're not supposed to talk about in public. We've created a safe zone where it is impolite to talk about Jesus, right? You know that. Jesus is offensive to people, and rightly so. Jesus said, I will offend people. We knew that from the beginning. So he's offensive to people, and we have created a safe zone where nobody has to be offended by hearing the name of Jesus. And if you have eyes to see and you have ears to hear, you can now see what it looks like to live in a world where the name of Jesus can't be mentioned. We don't talk about Jesus and we feel safe. We haven't offended anybody. Nobody's offended us. Let me ask you this question. Based on this week, how safe do you feel now? So let's talk about Jesus this morning. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about what he expects. 
When we trust Jesus as our Savior, the very first thing he expects is for us to step out and be different, to prove that we're different. In Matthew 28, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. Listen, let me help you understand something. I am tired of arguing with people about whether you have to be baptized in order to be saved. Listen to me. Listen to me closely. Let this be burned into your head so we don't have to have this theological trivia game ever again. The criminal on the cross next to Jesus was promised by Jesus that today you will be with me in paradise. So the criminal on the cross ended up in heaven without being baptized. So here's the principle. If you are in imminent danger of death and you are saved, don't worry about getting baptized. But if you are not, you're going to get wet. It's that simple. I don't see it any other way. We are baptized. We become baptized because Jesus said so. And because we are Baptists, we believe that we are to imitate Jesus the best that we can. Sometimes we do a pretty stinky job of it, but we're really trying to do the best we can. And one of the things that Jesus did is he got baptized by immersion. If you're going to join the First Baptist Church of Gray, you're going to get baptized by immersion or you will not be a member. Because that's what we do. That's a distinctive. It proves that we are different. And that's what he's asking us. Now, I can talk about the symbolism of baptism. It's an outward symbol of an inward change. We've all talked about that. We're baptized. This is the most important part of baptism to me. We are baptized into his death. We are raised out of the water as a new creation. My sins are washed away. They are left in the, they are left in the grave with Jesus. I was baptized into him. And I am raised a new creation. I am raised to new life. I have a future in front of me that is guided by his spirit. He lives in me. That's what baptism is saying. All of that's true. But all of that happens inside of us. When we trust Christ as our Savior, that happens automatically. There is no magic in this pool. The water doesn't make something happen. It's a symbol of something that has happened already. So why do it? Why do it? We do it. We are baptized to be different. Baptism demonstrates that we're different. We are not like everybody else. We are purchased Excuse me, we are purchased by God at the price of the blood of his son Jesus. I have a group of guys and, and uh, a lady that we text all the time. It's, it's my small group by text. And we text back and forth all the time. And this week, one of the, one of the folks in the group texts that we are peculiar. That comes from 1 Peter 2.9, where in the King James Version it says... But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peculiar has two meanings. 
The first meaning, and the way it's meant here in the King James, is that you are a possession of God. You are purchased by God. You belong exclusively to Him. You know, you've heard people say that something happened, but that was peculiar to that situation. It only happens in that situation. That's what he's talking about here. We are a peculiar people. We belong to God. We've been purchased to God, purchased by God. We are exclusive. Listen, we are exclusively His. We don't belong to anybody else. We might pretend every now and then that we're following the Father of lies, but it's only a false following. When we are Christian, we belong exclusively to him. We are peculiar people. But I want to add the second definition in this of peculiar being strange, being odd, or being unusual. Because when you look at us compared to the rest of the people in the world who are not Christian, they ought to be able to tell there is something different about those people. There is something different about them. They are peculiar. There's something odd about her. There's something odd about him. And I want to know what it is. We are different because we are called to be different. So I'm asking you to join me this morning in celebrating three young people who are peculiar. And I'll look their moms and dad in their face and tell them that their children are peculiar children. They belong exclusively, exclusively to God, and from this moment forward, they will live a different life. They will be different. Jesus has made them different, and right this moment, they're going to prove to you that they're different.
All right, scripture this morning ought to be very, very familiar to everybody. We ought to probably ought to recite it together this morning. Let me do the first two verses, and then we're gonna then we're gonna pray together. Jesus is talking in Matthew six. He says, "And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. Pray then." in this way. Let's bow our heads and let's pray in the way that he taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We know that is the Lord's Prayer. It's been recited mindlessly billions of times by billions of people. I would suspect all over the east coast of the United States, as people right now are in worship, that there are churches reciting this. There are people reciting it and will recite it all over the world today. It's the Lord's Prayer. And with this prayer, Jesus is telling us to live different, live different. Now, for you English majors and English teachers, I am perfectly aware. I believe it should be live differently is what it should be. But if I say differently, it doesn't work all the way across. So I want you to remember it. So I know it's supposed to have an L-Y, but not live different, okay? Live different. Jesus says don't copy everybody else. Don't copy how everybody else prays. Don't just spew out words. When you step before the throne, if someone calls on you to deliver a blessing, don't kick in to daddy's blessing. Stop for a minute. What is it that I want to say to God? If someone calls on you in your Sunday school class to pray, don't stand up and start yammering like a machine gun. Stop for a second. What is it that I truly want to say to God? What do I want him to hear? What does he want to hear from my lips? He isn't necessarily impressed with the words that you use. He's not necessarily impressed with your your command of the language and that you get the grammar just right or you don't get the grammar right. He, is, he doesn't care if your prayer rhymes and he doesn't care that you are praying the same prayer that your daddy prayed forever and ever when your daddy was alive. You want to give your daddy some tribute, pray to God from your heart so your daddy can know in heaven that my child is a child of God. Pray from your heart. He knows what you need before you ask him. Now that brings a question. Like, why get baptized? We've made a profession of faith. Why do it? Well, because we're going to be different. So why am I going to pray? Well, because I live different. Now this is going to be sentimental. And some of you are going to go home and go, "Eh, eh," and that's fine. You can do that. But I hope one or two of you sort of catch on because this is the best I got. It's all I could come up with. It's the only image that kept going through my mind over and over when we started talking about why pray the Lord's Prayer or pray like the Lord has asked us to pray. Why pray? 
I have in my mind a child. And for whatever reason, on this particular day, the child has been following their dad around all day long. And they have watched their dad be in control of his world. They've watched the dad change a tire on a car. They've watched dad go to the grocery store and the old woman that was in line in front of him, I guess I shouldn't say old, the elderly woman that's in front of him didn't have enough money to pay so he chumped in, chunked in a little bit of extra money to, to help her. And then as she goes to the car, her bags, because she's having a horrible day, her bags bust, and it's all over the ground. You know, used to, we had paper bags that would break every now and then, but now we have the little plastic bags that you guarantee something's going to hit the ground. And he sees that, and he goes over, and he helps the woman get her groceries into the car. The child gets to watch Dad as he mows the grass and takes care of the yard. The child gets to watch dad as he goes into the house and kisses his wife on the cheeks. And the wife says, Cunny, could you do? And she sees him do what the wife asked with love in his eyes. She gets to watch, the child gets to watch the order that the father brings to the child's world. Dads, that's what you do. You bring order to your children's lives. And God brings order to our lives. And the child sees that order. And when the dad sits down and dads, I hope that you have had this opportunity. Uh, I've had it as a dad and I hope that you've had it and I imagine most of you had. You sit down and for some reason on that day, the child walks up beside you and you can tell by looking in their eyes, they just want to sit in your lap. And you welcome them to sit in your lap. And they lean back against you and they start talking and they say, Dad, I've watched you all day long. You're the greatest. You know that? I'm telling you, Dad, I've watched you all day long. You've made everything perfect. Everywhere you went today, you made things perfect. And, Dad, I look around at all the people that don't have perfect worlds and perfect dads, and I want every dad to be just like you. I want everything to be ordered, put together, run just like you run it, Dad. I want the world to look like you're everywhere all the time. You know what, Dad? You ought to be the president because you would make things run right. And, Dad, I know that I ask for a lot of things, but really, Dad, would you make sure that I get what I need and not what I want? I want a lot of things, Dad. And I got a feeling some of the things that I want aren't so smart, but you're very smart and you're very wise. Will you make sure that I get what I need every day and dad I've watched you help folks that are so mean to you they've called you names they've borrowed your tools and never brought them home they've cut you off they've been ugly to you dad and yet you have helped them you've been nice to them and no matter how ugly they were, it never stopped you, Dad, from doing what was right. And Dad, when I see them and see how they operate, I, 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 I see me doing the same thing to you sometimes. 
And I know that I'm ugly to you, Dad, and I'm sorry. I don't mean to be. I don't want to be. And Dad, forgive me for being ugly to you. And because you are so forgiving to me, I'm going to do my best to be like you and forgive those people who are ugly to me too. And Dad, please don't quit looking out for me. I need you, Dad. I know that some of the things that I want to do are not things that you would be very proud of at all. Keep, keep those things away from me. I don't want you to ever be ashamed of me. So please, please keep me safe. And if you're a dad and you're any kind of dad at all, when your child says something like you, like that, if you don't hug them, you need to be flogged. And you know that you would. And you know that he does. And as he hugs that child close to say that I will take care of you forever. The child blurts out through tears of happiness, Dad, I want to live with you forever. You're the most wonderful, wonderful man I have ever known. That's the Lord's Prayer. That's what you're saying. That's how we operate. Live different. Follow his order. Live different. That's what the Lord's Prayer says. And then we want to end different. Paul talks in the book of 1 Corinthians. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Dad took my brother. He knew that I wouldn't be safe without my brother doing something. He knew that I couldn't resist temptation. We make jokes about the devil made me do it, but you know what? Without what our brother did, the devil would lure us into all kinds of catastrophe that would destroy us for eternity. And yet dad sent his son. Sent his son and said, this is my body which is for you, this do in the remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Until he comes. So be different. Live different. End different. End different. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. It's not a metaphor. It's not an analogy. It's not a figure of speech. It's not something that somebody wrote down in a book because they needed a mythology to believe in. Jesus is coming again. Paul says again in Philippians, for this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth 
and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Those There are those that don't accept this. You know, we've created a safe zone to keep from offending them. Offend them. They need to be offended so that they think, so that when they die, they do not bow at the knee of Jesus before he sends them into eternity to burn forever, separated from him. Offend them. We are peculiar. We're odd. They expect you to be weird be weird be peculiar there are those that don't believe in god that's fine when the day comes they will bow before the name of jesus and they'll confess who he is there are those who don't want to offend anyway anybody so they say that there are multiple ways to get to heaven let me assure you there is only one way and on that day the one way will stand his knee will be his name will be called and every knee will bow before the one whose name is Jesus if you are a Christ follower you are different You are different. You are called to be different. If you're not different, you need to lean back in your chair and you need to think about why am I not different? We're different. He says live different. He says end different. So let's do something different from everybody else.
So those of you that were looking for the clock, here's the last point. No different. No different. I pray this morning that your heart's been stirred a little bit, not necessarily because of any eloquence that might have happened, but because God is speaking to you and saying some things to you this morning. That you can hear truth and understand truth and the truth moves you inside. To live in a world of order, to live in a world of caring, to live in a world of spiritual safety, to live in a world, listen, have you ever, have you ever heard of a king's child that wasn't royalty? That's who you are. A royal priesthood, the scriptures describe you as. You know, I was talking to somebody before the service this morning. Do you realize that when you have Christ in your heart, that you are a perfect creation at that point? Yeah, you're going to do some things that are wrong. We've got flesh patterns. We live out, blah, blah, blah. We know all the drill. But you are, you are a perfect creation. He created you to be you. That there is no reason for you to sit and think that you, aren't, that you aren't good enough, or you're not pretty enough, or you're not smart enough, or you're not enough. There is, God made you who you are. The children that we have in the church that have Down syndrome, that are autistic, they are that way. God allowed them to be that way for a purpose. And the blessing that those children are to their parents. All of life. Our Savior, our Lord, orders. Why would you want to live any other way? How could you possibly want to live in a world of chaos where we have things like this week because we feel this way, then we must act this way. Your feelings lie to you. When, you, when, when you're sitting there saying to yourself that I am not enough, that's a lie. He said, I created you just as you are. You are wondrously, magnificently made. There is no ugly. When Christ, when God looks at you, he sees the glory of Christ and he sees his creation just as he meant you to be. Freedom in that. truth of God's word you become different by understanding true truths that you know and that you've heard over and over again John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life Romans 10 8 and 9 but what does it say the word is near you it is in your mouth and it's in your heart. The word is near you. It is in 
your mouth. It is in your heart. That's the word of faith that we're preaching, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. It's the way it works. It's the truth. I have nothing to add to that. The safe zone that we've created in the world says that there is no truth. There is truth. Jesus is truth. I invite you this morning to know different. Know the truth. Know Jesus. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Be saved. Walk the aisle. You're scared to death to do it. I know I was scared. It took me two years to walk the aisle because I was terrified. But let me help you understand something. The people that are in the pews aren't looking at you going, oh, there's something wrong with them. The people are sitting in the pews going, yes, he's got him another one. He's got another one in the kingdom. One less going to hell. One more that might one day be able to sit down with somebody who is about to do something to themselves and convince them that there is a Lord in heaven that loves you more than anything else in the world and the worst thing you could do is hurt yourself because he loves you and he wants to change the world through you. That's what these three guys can do. It's what you can do. Jesus loves you. And I invite you this morning as we have this hymn of invitation, stand up and boldly walk down the aisle. If you want to join the church, do that. If you want to come to the altar and pray, come to the altar and pray. If somebody's sitting in their pew going, I wonder what's going on in their life. Man, they need to talk to Jesus for themselves. Don't worry about them. Come on down. If you need to pray in your seat, pray in your seat. You got three minutes and the world comes crashing back in again. Remember that we are different. Let's stand.